Hello and welcome to episode number four of Inquisitive on Relay FM. This episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like, lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts for a free trial. Visit lynda.com slash inquisitive and Studio Neat, makers of the Glyph, the Cosmonaut, and the Neat Ice Kit. My name is Mike Hurley, and today I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Jean McDonald. Hi, Jean. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. So, Jean, I must start off by asking you, uh, what do you like to be known for? <laughs> That's, um, that is a good question. That's what everybody says, too. So I think <laughs> stalling for time, and uh, <laughs> I'm probably guilty of the same. Um, I like um, to be known for being an active member of the the technology community that I'm a part of. So what I think of is like the, the Mac and iPhone and related, you know, technologies. Um, uh, there's a, quite a community around that, and which started with the Mac community, I would say. And uh, um, I've been uh, working in this field for over just about 10 years, a little over 10 years. And um, I've really enjoyed getting to know people and um, work with people and help support them and, you know, give back because the geek community has certainly supported me in a big way. Um, and uh, I also like to be known as a friend of podcasts and podcasters because I've been listening to podcasts for a long time now and, uh, and working with podcasters um, as a sponsor when I was working at Smile. And um, I just find the medium really compelling and I like to do what I can to promote it. So I, I want to, you are actually, you are very much a friend of, of, of me and the whole, and all of podcasting. So thank you for that. And we're going to talk to you about that in a moment. And, and I want to start off to talk to you a little bit about Smile because that's probably where you've built your role in the community and why everybody knows Gene. So you mm-hmm. recently departed Smile, and we'll, the the main topic of the discussion, which today will be, will be App Camp for Girls, and, and and that is why you left. And I'll, I'll talk to you about that in a moment. But how long were you at Smile for? Um, I started working with Philip and Greg in two thousand four. Um, as uh, that's when I at the time I was a freelance web designer, and uh, they were launching a website. I mean, this company started in 2003, end of 2003. And uh, so I helped them build their first uh, full-fledged website. Um, with uh, And in the course of that, uh, Philip was already a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, and uh, um, got to know the guys. And they would ask me, um, I think the first thing I did for them that was kind of like a marketing non-website thing was to create a contest, a design contest for Disc Label, which was the CD and DVD labeling program um, they developed, which at the time was Smile's biggest product and most most famous product. And um, so that uh, something like that, they you know they were two guys working on their um, own, and um, they felt like you know they would like to have somebody help them out with marketing type projects here and there and then it just sort of built from there I kept 
helping them out with stuff and working on the website. And we always joked about, well, maybe if they ever get, you know, doing really well, they can have me come full time. And that day came, like end of 2005, actually. It came faster than I was <laughs> expecting. And uh, they asked me, and uh, I, was, I just said, yes, I had always you know, said I would do it. And it was like, wow, we're really doing it now. So, so in 2006 is when I started working with them full time. Um, 2008, they made me a partner in the company. So you, and, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, so that's, and then I was there till just recently. So you were at Smile for about 10 years in total. Um, I'm sure you must have received many job offers over that period of time. (laughs) What about Smile specifically made you want to stay and be a part of it until your new calling? Um, It was the dream job. Um, I I was working with two people who I really, really liked and respected it like you know they were um philip and greg are just incredible people um they're very talented developers and business people um but they're very they're very um they're very good with people like they're the kind of uh, they didn't bring me in because they didn't know how to talk to people or they didn't know anything about anything except for programming they're they're they actually have wider range of interests than I do, I would say. And uh, um, they, they were just great guys to work for. And, and we, we had um, a product disc label that was very popular. And we actually, um, the, yeah, the first thing I did with them was work at Macworld um, in 2004 in January. That was really the first thing that got me hooked into them. And um, that's where we launched PDF Pen. Um, for the first time, 1.0. So, you know, we had to, had products that were um, really compelling to me. We, we acquired Text Expander in 2006, um, which was really uh, interesting and um, <clears throat> a, a great product, you know, as uh, it was a lot of fun to, to work with and work with the community of productivity geeks, especially, <laughs> who are legion. Uh, around the who were fans of these products and yes I got to do all of the PR and marketing um, we we had a pretty non-hierarchical organization um, uh, aside from Philip and Greg of course being the founders and the owners of most of the company mm-hmm. and um, we we worked really well together and we were all worked remotely so we had a pretty flexible lifestyle too um so yes it was not it was never hard for me to to turn down um any job offers um when which came along working in a software company um for 10 years on in marketing i can only imagine that your role changed quite significantly over that period of time what were some of like the biggest changes that you saw from when you started out to, to before you left well, the number one humongous change was the App Store. Of course, um, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> I know there was life before the App Store. There was life. Well, I mean, I should for Smile the, the Mac App Store was was a, a huge change in the way we did business. Um, 
Other companies might say the number one thing was the release of the iPhone um, and, and the ability to write apps for the iPhone. Um, and certainly Smile has done that, but we were a Mac company for long, longer you know, than, the, than most and had been uh, well-established and had a, a real um, sales process that got kind of upended by the Mac App Store. I, I wouldn't say upended, but it changed what, the way we had to think about a lot of everything we did. Um, and one of the, the biggest changes that I disliked about the Mac App Store was the fact that now Apple, all the customers, all the users were now Apple's customers and Apple had their data instead of Smile. And that meant that we had a hard time, harder time connecting with our customers. And Smile is very well known for, for um, being, you know, doing great tip emails and uh, keeping people up to date on what's happening with the programs. And it just felt very disconnected yeah. to have yeah. what eventually became a large share of the users who we had no idea who they were. So how did that change on, on your daily basis? Like what, what sort of things did you start to do? Did you start to, to you know look at social media, email marketing? And then I guess, well, I guess one of the things is podcast sponsorships as well, right? Are they the sort of <laughs> things that you started to look into? Um, well, we, uh, we actually started podcast sponsorships in 2006. Um, I can't remember the year that Mac App Store came out, but that was later yeah. than the yeah. iPhone. Um, and uh, I mean, I'm, I think it was much later. It's like 2011 or 2010. Sounds about right. Yeah. Because uh, I'm pretty sure that you know, I remember our 2009 Mac World especially well because of the booth that we had that took a lot of work. And I'm pretty sure we weren't worried about the Mac App Store at that point. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, well, email was tricky because we, we, um, had a harder, have a, um, well, we did, we do do those, uh, those customer emails and we ask people to sign up, um, for our mailing list, um, when they first launch the program. So if they're interested in getting, a series of emails. It's, it's really quite, um, it was very popular. I mean, I'm sure it's still very popular, but things that how to do basic things with the software that you just downloaded. And so if the Mac app store customer signed up for it, then we would have their email address, but they were already a customer, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was, uh, um, uh, you know, for our, our product on that was available on the web you could download the demo you could sign up for the tips and the tips would help you you know uh learn why you would want to buy the program if you hadn't bought it already so that was it had a two you know two purposes one to uh help out people pre-purchase and other to help out new users who had purchased, but in the Mac App Store, you, there's, as you know, no demos and no pre-purchase. Uh, pr there's no before the purchase the um, segment of the sales process. The um, 
I think that, you know, we definitely got more interested in, in spreading out um, more of a podcast sponsorship presence around that time. And um, I don't think we specifically said it's because of the Mac app store, but um, we were, um, um, you know, certainly kind of growing our presence during that time as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a really good question. Like how did it change? It's, it, it feels like it changed. So over time, you yeah. know, there was a big thing. And we looked, and certainly it seemed like in the beginning that the Mac App Store sales were not um, cannibalizing the direct sales. But I think over time, as people began to appreciate why they would want something from the Mac App Store as opposed to direct from the the software company, you know, people who weren't using the Mac App Store started to use it as well. yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a, a big deal for us. I know. So we, we've spoken about podcast sponsorships a little bit, um, but what what drew you to, and then kind of then you, then you helped embed Smile. Like what these idea this idea into Smile. What what about the medium uh, do you feel feels right for this sort of stuff? Well. I had been become a podcast fan myself, and I was listening to several back in 2006, and I think is when I started. Um, and, you know, I liked the hosts, and I liked that, which is why I listened to the podcasts, and I listened to the spots. Um, and I thought that we would do well to... Um, people would listen to learn about our products through podcasts, whereas, you know, a banner ad in a web page or something like that. Um, since we're not selling some commodity, you know, we're not selling like these hard drives, super cheap, click here, buy now. Um, but we are selling software that's fairly complicated and or needs, you know, it, it's not a, it, it needed some uh, help, I think, explaining it, you know, and people, yeah. especially, I mean, text expander is a, is a good example of something that's hard to know how to talk about it. Um, if you haven't used it, you don't know. And if you have used it, you know why. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it. One, it's hard to, to convey in a banner ad the greatness of text expansion. Absolutely impossible. I would say Uh, not for lack of trying, but uh, it's hard to, to, you know, another thing, which is interesting, like an area that I used to be pretty um, uh, involved with is um, search engine marketing. So figuring out um, how your product will be found on search engines. And I mean, people talk about search engine optimization and it's really um, it can be a, a, a slimy profession, but but there's some very basic logical stuff that you have to think about, and it, it's not creepy to think about it. And the main thing is, what what are people looking for? Are they looking for something like you have, and what do they type into a search field when they are? And um, PDF Pen was pretty straightforward because people knew about PDF editors and 
Acrobat was had already been out for a long time, but to, I could not find the, any combination of keywords <laughs> that worked for Text Expander, and huh. uh, finally just uh, uh, left off of um, trying to do say the Google Ads for Text Expander um, because what is it? You know, even if you know, if even if it has a name, is that a name that means anything to something besides you and me? You know. Uh, text um, macros. You know, a lot of people use the word macros to describe what Text Expander does, but not everybody understands that, and it's a super geeky word. Um, uh, typing shortcuts that you know doesn't quite <laughs> quite get it either. <laughs> so, so yeah, that I think you know. Plus, I knew that there were these podcast hosts who were already using Text Expander, and that mm-hmm. was really the key. Um, was we didn't try to convince anybody to start using our product. We only sponsored hosts who were already fans of our product because we, you know, we wanted them to be able to talk about it, um, you know, truthfully that they actually use it and they, you know, that they really like it. So, so I want to just take a quick break to thank our first sponsor to today's episode, and then we're going to jump in to talking about AppCamp for Girls. So this week's episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by lynda.com, an easy and affordable way to help individuals and organizations learn. With Lynda, you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by experts on software, web development, graphic design, and so much more. lynda.com works directly with industry experts and also software companies to provide timely training often the same day new versions or releases hit the market so you're going to make sure that you're always up to speed all of their courses are produced at the highest quality these videos look fantastic they're produced in in awesome studios with great camera equipment great microphones they're and they're also produced by people that really care about what they're talking about. Their courses are broken down into bite-sized pieces, so you can learn at your own pace. You can go from start to finish. You can find a quick answer. Maybe you want to learn for 20 minutes on your lunch break every day, and you can do that on the go as well with their apps for iPhone, iPad, and Android, as well as using it on the web. They have awesome tools like searchable transcripts, So maybe you want to find a certain part of a video or you just want to scroll through to find that thing you heard about when you watched that video six months ago. Um, You can set up your own playlists if you want to. And they can also give you certificates of course completion, which you can even publish to your LinkedIn profile. So if you want to be a professional in a field or you are a professional in a field, it can show that you've taken some additional steps. You know, this sort of stuff can look good on a resume. Linda provides you with the ability to make that happen. Whether you are a beginner or advanced in a certain field, lynda.com has courses for all experience levels to help you further your experience in a certain area. The topic areas range from development, um, they range from like software design and stuff like that. You have 3D and animation, audio and music. Maybe you want to create an album, maybe you want to create a podcast. They have stuff where they can tell you about Logic and Pro Tools and things like that. I've watched uh, watched and, and listened to some of the Logic tutorials, which are really awesome. And they can even give you uh, sort of downloadable files so you can take away and start adapting them yourself. And you can kind of dig in and, and go along with the video. So I could go in and like tune Logic and the compressor and stuff like that to the way that they were doing it on the video. So I could see exactly how I was doing it. I like that. You watch it on one device like my iPad. And, and work in the actual application 
on my MacBook and you can pause and you can read the transcript. I like it. It's, it's a good way of learning. I'm a visual learner and, and I like to be able to do things whilst I'm learning. And Linda gives me the ability to do that. Now, we've worked out an exclusive deal with Linda to provide you with special a special offer to access all of their courses for free for seven days. Visit lynda.com slash inquisitive to try Linda for free for seven days. That's l-y-n-d-a dot com slash inquisitive. Thank you to Linda for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. So, Gene, you stepped down from Smile uh, after taking a sabbatical, which I believe was a year long, if memory serves. No, maybe you just missed me that much, but it wasn't that long. Really? How long but, was it? <laughs> I I had four months wow. um, off, like for the summer of 2013, around the summer of 2013, to focus on App Camp. Right. Um, but then I came back to work um, in September. A year ago, and that's when it became clear to me that App Camp wasn't going to go away as like a little hobby that I could pick it up next summer. Or yeah, um, so yeah. <laughs> was it tough to make that decision? Oh yes, it was. It was very tough. Um, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to decide because, as I said, that was my dream job, and I, um, you know, I I respect my former partners and also all the other people who have come along over the years to work with smile. We had a really neat uh, team in 2013. We had the 10th anniversary and we brought the whole team to Macworld to uh, celebrate with us. And that was really fun. So yeah, it was, I mean, I, I think it's probably always good to go out on a, on a high note that, you know, but it was, it made it hard to, to, um, give up this job, but that was, um, I knew that I couldn't do app camp and do smile simultaneously. And I had to quit one of them. (laughs) So there was no way I, I could do them both. And that's what I did. So let's find out why you made that decision. Where did the idea (laughs) for app camp for girls come from? Um, well, I had, you know, I, had been attending WDC um, um, with Smile for a couple of years. And I think it was 2011. I just, just had, it was like a a total light bulb moment where I was sitting in this room with one of those huge rooms in Moscone, um, you know, where they're giving a big uh, presentation and maybe like a couple thousand people are there and just it just occurred to me, like, I really don't see any other women in this room. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there were some in the room, but I'm still, as far as my eyes see right now, I'm the only woman in, in, in the room. And that is, that's just crazy. Um, obviously, I always knew that I worked in a fairly male-dominated field, but I think before going to WWDC. So I hadn't always been attending the conference. I had been at Macworld. Um, I would go down to San Francisco during WWDC to, to meet up with people who were down there. But I think it was once I started going as an attendee and realized, oh, yeah, it's, it's not just mostly guys. It's, it's nearly all guys um, here. And uh, w- what I just 
really just thought, well, what, what would be like a really simple thing I could do? <laughs> Some, something simple and straightforward, not arguing about whether women or girls are better in math or science or try to get into the, what are the problems, why women don't choose this field. What could we do to just move the needle a little bit? And I thought if we do something for girls um, to show them how cool it is, to do app development, um, maybe that would make a difference. And yeah, I had been, um, at that point, I had been volunteering for the rock and roll camp for girls for a few years, and I had attended it myself. They have a program for women. um, And I just thought that the rock and roll camp for girls program was amazing, what they do with girls who come in on a Monday having maybe no music experience and they certainly aren't required to, they get an instrument, they get instrument instruction, they form a band, they write a song and then they play in a big showcase at the end of the week on, you know, rock. It's a big rock and roll showcase all by girls. And uh, I thought, what if we could do something like that for girls that in the app development field, so they could, get that sense of satisfaction at the end of the week that they had done something um, and they might want to do it again. So you're at WWDC 2011 and you tweet, how many other women can I see when I look around this huge room at Apple's WWDC? One, app camp for girls, anyone? Yes. (laughs) So this is on the 6th of June 2011. Yes, that is the exact tweet. So this is obviously when something, it percolated in your brain and, and you, you must have had this just this nugget of an idea, which seemed yeah. to have, it's, it, I mean, you can see maybe it laid rest for a while, but did it? Was this something that you would think about a lot or was it you had this idea and then a few years later you decided to put it into action? Um, the Well, one thing I realized, like I thought that was like the first time that I – I had the idea per se, but then I, I was looking at some notes of mine on my iPhone and I noticed that like from some earlier point I had written iPhone camp for girls. Okay. And that, <laughs> so that was before the iPad. Um, and I guess, because I think, yeah, once they started calling it iOS, you know, instead of iPhone OS, yeah, that, um, the, I, the camp name changed in my mind, I think. <laughs> so I, um, but 2011 is the first time where I thought, wow, we really, really should do something about this. Or not we, somebody. <laughs> yeah. Somebody should really do something like this. And then um, it just did not go away. Um, and uh, the next year, I, I had gone through a lot of work that year. It was a busy year. I had busy travel and I was a little, not burned out from smile, but just over, overdoing it really. Mm-hmm. And a weird thing happened. I, I was supposed to go to uh, New York to speak at a Mac user group in Long Island. And I got the date wrong. And, and I mean like got it wrong such that they were, texting me and I'm sitting in Portland. So you're really wrong. <laughs> they're like, you're not at the train station. They were, and I, 
it kind of freaked me out, you know, that I had like done such a thing. I mean, I know I can, I, I had it wrong in my calendar forever. And we just talked about when I was going to come on Friday and I didn't, I thought they were being, um, you know, conscientious about getting ready for the week after. And I didn't know they meant like three days from now, but anyway, so I was, uh, I ended up with some time on my hands. <laughs> I was supposed to go to New York. And as soon as I wasn't doing this, this user group, um, I thought, you know, I'm so stressed out. I could, it would be much better if I just canceled the whole trip. And so I did. And I took myself to the coast, the Oregon coast for a week um, and with no internet and uh, just a few inspirational books and a lot of paper and, pencils and stuff and I just brainstormed on the idea because it was on my mind and I think that's um the first time where I I, I because I was working so hard I think that was uh, a thing that you know I was realizing well I should I should take some time and figure out um just sort of step back from work a little bit and see what what comes up and so that's when app camp for girls when I started to really write notes and make some plans and uh, plan to plan some things and such. Who were the first people that you contacted for help with AppCamp? Um, let's see. Um, well, there's Kelly Gamont, you know, her mm-hmm. probably podcaster, writer, blogger, Kelly. And as I call her, there are, had cheerleader. Um, she lives here in Portland as well. And I asked her if she would go out to lunch with me and I had this idea. And so she was, she was totally psyched for the idea and, and on board. And, um, what makes Kelly great is she will, she can, she has many talents and she's willing to, uh, just help you out in whatever you need. Um, and so she's been a real support for me. Um, the, uh, I had started to talk to a couple of people about it in, um, WWDC 2012. Um, but I didn't have much planned other than, you know, my, my notes from, from being at the beach for a week. Hmm. And, um, but because I started to talk about it, people started talking to me about it and finding other people to talk to me about it. It like it was like a a little spark that suddenly started this fire <laughs> because I sat down next to somebody at the keynote and he turned out to be a professor of uh, computer science in Wisconsin who's done work with lots of women and you know really interested in women's education. Um, Eric Knapp, and he he said, you should meet so-and-so, you know, and that's how it starts. Yeah. You should meet so-and-so. And so people were see- seeking me out. Um, and that's the one benefit of there being so few women is it's easy to spot the women who are there. So. <laughs> Process of elimination, um, right? Yes. So I think, you know, people, uh, I was easier to find maybe. And then... Um, the they but they said oh you should talk to Jamie Newberry who uh, um, was involved with this group called WWDC Girls 
and they were having a lunch, so I went to that lunch. And while I'm leaving the lunch, this woman comes up to me and says, hey, I hear you're from Portland. I just moved to Portland. And that was Nat Osten, who, um, you know, I didn't know her before, and, I, and we didn't actually know anybody in common. It would, if I hadn't gone to that lunch, I don't think we would have found each other. Um, and if somebody hadn't pointed me out, but so Nat was really excited. I said, I, I, I'd love to hang out with you in Portland. <laughs> in fact, I've got this idea and you could help because I need some women developers. And that's what, you know, that's, that's what she does. She's full-time iOS developer. And so we, you know, met up back in Portland and, and started, you know, working on the camp idea. But yeah, so I met a lot of people at that, that, particular WWDC and um, that that helped you know that <laughs> that made me see that okay it's not just me I haven't had to talk anybody into this idea <laughs> uh, so it, it took on a little bit of a life of its own at that point I would say were there any external factors at, at play with, with people becoming interested in the idea or you wanting to pursue it when you did? I mean, like today, when we're recording in September 2014, women in tech and women in gaming, is a it's a, it's a hot topic right now. Mm -hmm. Was it the case 12 months ago, 24 months ago? Um, well, you know, there's kinds of uh, internet... Um, I don't even know what word I want to put on it, but, you know, where um, a woman on the internet gets just totally piled on with, with the nastiest kind of feedback and, and scary feedback that you can imagine. That's been going on for a long time. Sure. Um, but I think it's, it's either getting more press now, people are, are willing to, to, to condemn it, but... Um, I knew some pretty harrowing stories from, you know, before I ever had the idea for App Camp. Yeah. Um, so, um, so that I wouldn't say is, was one of the, that was not the, uh, the, you know, for me personally, and I think for other people, um, was, wasn't necessarily a motivation. Although I do believe that, um, when a when a field of endeavor is ninety nine percent men, or it's not ninety nine percent, but ninety percent or more men, that you know, or to put it more positive way, I think when there are more women in the field, some of this stuff will start to sort its out, sort itself out, um, because it won't be like we're storming the castle. We yeah. are already in the castle. <laughs> get used uh, to it. <laughs> yeah, get used to it. But I do remember I tweeted. I tweeted this in in 2012. Was it 2012 or 2013? It was, I think. That um, I mean, there was something, some nastiness going on at E3, which was happening at the same time as WWDC, and uh, I just said, you know, I. I feel lucky to be here at WWDC. I certainly feel outnumbered, but I don't feel intimidated. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think that the gaming space has been especially 
bad for yeah. this kind of, um, uh, I don't even, like I said, I, I don't have a good word for it because it, it's just, it's so mind boggling how, um, some people can behave on the internet. Um, I think that just there's, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, programs coming out now for girls and technology. And I mean, there have been, this, this isn't the first. And I think that like my experience when I first started talking about it, where people kind of gravitated towards me to talk about it with me and, and connect me to other people. Um, I think people have been experiencing that in uh, other areas of technology uh, that and other other programs have popped up with similar missions to App Camp, but you know they're teaching girls Ruby, or they're teaching them how to make web pages, or they're teaching them to code. Um, and that was uh, that's been in that's been in the air for a while. It's not just me. So I want to take a moment to thank our second sponsor for this week's episode, but I've, st- I've still got so much stuff that I want to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, our second sponsor this week is Studio Neat, and they were actually last week's guests. So if for some reason, after listening to this week's show, if you didn't run out and buy a, night- a neat ice kit right away, let me tell you why you should and also offer you a sweet discount too. If you're feeling fancy and making tasty cocktails... The Neat Ice Kit is for you. Or maybe you know someone who likes these things. Well, it's also a perfect gift for them as well. The Neat Ice Kit is a set of tools for creating perfect ice for your at-home cocktails. Making great cocktails really isn't that hard. They're not that complex. They're usually just a handful of ingredients that you simply combine together. But as well as the tasty ingredients you have at home, you can now also have access to one thing that a fancy cocktail bar has. Perfectly clear and correctly sized ice which is the hallmark of a great cocktail bar. But until now, it was really difficult to achieve at home, if not impossible. But the neat ice kit fixes all of that. The kit comes with a special insulated mold that uses the science of how ice freezes to create a large brick of ice, the top half of which is completely clear. Using the included tools, you can break the ice brick into different sizes. These different sizes of ice cover virtually every drink. Everything from a huge clear ice cube for drinks like the old-fashioned, or smaller ice chunks for taller and narrow glasses, or even crushed ice for drinks like the mint julep. You get a super cool chisel and a mallet to carve up and break down the ice. And I totally love using mine and kind of taking out some of the day's frustrations and some ice cubes. For me, part of the enjoyment of making an old-fashioned, which is my favourite cocktail, is in the process of actually making it. So all of the stuff, combining everything together. And getting fussy about the size and shape of the ice cube that I use is just another thing that I now enjoy. So you might be saying to yourself, what? This seems silly. I don't need fancy ice. This is just too fussy for me. But the guys at Studio Neat, and me, realise that this may all seem silly, but we implore you to consider the finer things in life. The Neat Ice Kit is not just about fancy ice, but about this process of creating, which is something that this show is all about. It's about bringing some delight to your evening of cocktails made with care and attention. Just like shaving with a straight razor, writing on nice paper, or perfecting animations in an app. It's often the little non-essential things in life that make the difference. Now, we have an awesome deal for listeners of Inquisitive. Head over to studioneat.com right now and enter the promo code INQUISITIVE to get 10% of anything that you buy at Studio Neat. They have a bunch of other awesome products, not just 
the neat ice kit. They also uh, are makers of the Glyph, the Cosmonaut, and so much more. Go find out about them and buy them all, and you can get 10% off by using the code INQUISITIVE. I want to thank Studio Neat for their support of Inquisitive and Relay FM. Gene, when you were starting out with AppCamp for Girls, what was your personal proficiency with app development? How much did you know? Um, not a whole lot. I had watched the process on the sidelines, um, but not the code for sure, but the process of, of specking things out and, and deciding on features, deciding on releases, releases and updates. Um, but I had not written an iPhone app of my own. And I had, um, and I knew that I needed to do something about that because um, in order, at least for me personally, I needed to understand what it was that we would be teaching. Um, And so I did go to Big Nerd Ranch for uh, a week of the iOS boot camp training, and that was great. Uh, that was really helped me uh, immensely. I don't know how I would have gotten that amount of information in that short amount of time <laughs> if I hadn't gone to, you know, the, it's, it's very intense. I say it's a week, and by a week I mean seven days. It starts on Saturday and it ends on Friday. So it's, um, it's intense, but it mm. was the most fun I've I had in a while in a classroom because I, I liked the other students and the teacher was great. And, um, we worked through the material very fast. I didn't understand everything at every juncture, but I did start making iPhone apps with their instructions and learn something about how it's done. Have you continued to keep up with learning as as, over the time that you've been running app camp? Uh, I haven't really. I um, I have not, still haven't created an iPhone app from scratch for myself. I have learned how to build the apps that we build in App Camp, um, <clears throat> but I don't. Um, I I should be doing a lot more if I want to really be a programmer, which I would like to be. I I think it's um, something that I'm good at, and I just don't have the time right now to to devote to it as much as I would like to um I so yeah I I think it's a it's an endeavor that really requires a lot of focused concentration time and that's the opposite of what I've had (laughs) the last year (laughs) so you're getting ready to launch app camp for girls to the world and you've made the decision that you were going to do an Indiegogo campaign to raise money. Why did you choose to go down the crowdfunding route to get started? Well, I thought um, that there was a lot of support in the community for the program, you know, based on all the conversations I had had with people. And I wanted the community to be like the, the first round investor of the project in other words they would to the extent that we we all support this program it'll happen um and i 
I mean, I know we, we can't run on crowdfunding all the time, but, and we'll, we will have to go out and get um, grants and, and, you know, that kind of funding, bigger funding as we, you know, continue to grow. But I really felt strongly about, I want this to be, I want everybody who puts in like $25 to feel like their $25 matters <laughs> uh, a yeah. lot. That um, it's not like we got $100,000 to cover the camp, but now we want you guys to help us pay for, you know, the, the iPod touches or something like that. I wanted the whole camp to be um, a product of the, the enthusiasm of the community. Why did you choose Indiegogo? Well, Kickstarter is not a choice for this kind of fundraiser. Um, you, they, do, you know, it's not, it, uh, um, they don't allow it. Uh, you have to, you have to do as a Kickstarter has to be a project, a thing that it will be complete, you know, that right. and have an, an end date when the project is finished and the project, uh, the product gets distributed or whatever. Um, but they don't, they don't deal with fundraisers and that's what this was. So Indiegogo, uh, I think what it's the most prominent crowdfunding, uh, vehicle other than Kickstarter and a very good friend of mine, Colleen Wainwright, she uh, did a Indiegogo fundraising pro uh, campaign for a girls writing program in Los Angeles. And she did this amazing campaign. It was a sep uh, August, September of 2011, um, where she wanted to raise $50,000 in 50 days for her 50th birthday. And for this program called Right Girl. And if she did raise the 50000 then she was going to shave her head at a party for the, you know, 50th birthday party, um, for which you could buy tickets through the Indiegogo as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and uh, she she's just a, a, a genius at marketing. Um, and I, I helped her out with that campaign. Text Expander actually was one of the perks you could get um, in, during that campaign. And I just was amazed by what she did. So it seemed kind of natural to me to go to Indiegogo because um, of that experience. And also she was a huge help to me getting that campaign together and sorted out. Um, it's, it's actually a lot of work. I think People probably know that by now, but to actually do a crowdfunding campaign, it's not like you just click a few buttons and then money pours in. Yeah. <laughs> so you really have to, if you want to do well, you have to put a lot of time and effort into it. And uh, starting with writing, you know, a really good description and putting together really good perks that make sense. Um, and so... So Colleen uh, was helping me out with that, uh, as advising me on that, and then went, that I think was a key thing for me to for our crowdfunding campaign to be so successful as success, as successful as it was. Um, I think she had a big hand in that. So what what else did you do to try and get the word out about the campaign? 
Like, how, how did you get it into kind of the minds of the masses? Um, well, this, you know, goes back to having the community uh, that I am a part of support me. I don't, I, I don't do things like this all the time. I, <laughs> I think, um, you know, I, I, and I think that's an important part of, of, of getting help from the community you're in is that, you know, we, when you do ask, it's a big ask, but it's not going to be a big ask on, uh, that you're going to repeat every month or every mm-hmm. few months or even every year. So I, I don't know. I'm trying. I guess I'm trying to find a nice way to say. Well, people kind of owed me some favors. <laughs> That's a perfectly fine thing to say. <laughs> I, I'm not that quite so, uh, you know, cynical. But there were pe- people who I knew what, would like to help, and um, so you know, including my podcaster friends, they they put the word out on their Twitter feeds, and people would mention it, maybe even on podcasts. Um, the, uh, um, yeah, and, you know, John Gruber found out about it, and that um, that made a huge difference, I think. I, I know. I mean, I think we all know mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, a mention on Daring Fireball is, is definitely going to help you raise money in this camp, the yeah. community that we're part of. A couple of people might see it. Yeah, a couple of people. <laughs> he's, he's actually has been very, uh, very gracious and nice to App Camp and to me personally. I yeah. really appreciate his support, and he he really likes the program, and that that really, you know, that kind of uh, reaction just I just really value it because obviously I didn't. I didn't, he didn't owe me any favors <laughs> for sure. Um, he, he just liked it and he, he's, and that means a lot to me to know that uh, somebody like John Gruber thinks it's worthwhile. I feel um, very um, validated in what we're doing, but we did, um, we did do a blog, like a separate blog from the app camp site. We did, a themed blog called App Stories, where we posted interviews with app developers, and not just women, men too, and designers. Um, but basically, the how did you get into develop software development, and what was your first app? What do you remember? You know, was it what? What did you learn from that that you would share with other people? And it was a f- really fun site. Um, I have to give it. Uh, shout out to Kirshen Say who who curated it for us because uh, she really put in a, a great volunteer effort there and bit, put out about fifty interviews in fifty days. Um, again, I that's what Colleen did when she did her her Right Girl fundraiser. She did a blog where she interviewed women writers every day, and it's a lot of work, but she. You know that that raises the profile in a mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. First of all, we had this content that people were interested in um, because here were all these you know famous and not so famous developers giving their um, sharing some of their wisdom about the app development process. So and you know that just was a 
it really worked out well. And I, the blog is still up there. It's under appstories.org. I would like to get it going again as maybe like a weekly thing. Um, but, you know, App Camp, <laughs> that's just the App Camp came into being and, and a lot of projects have been put on hold and that's one of them. It's in the show notes though, which are at relay.fm slash inquisitive slash four. If you'd like to find them, you can. They'll be there. Um, so you had a $50,000 goal uh, that by the end of the campaign you'd raised over $100,000. Kind of two, two questions. Did you think, were you confident that you'd meet the goal? Uh, and what was it like when the campaign finished at, at that amount? Um, I, I felt fairly certain we would make the goal, but I thought it was going to be a hard six weeks. Huh of slogging to mm-hmm. get to 50,000. I did not expect at all to hit 50,000 on the third day. Um, wow, was that how long it was? Yeah, it just went like the- <laughs> <laughs> Just no problem, just sit back, yeah. relax. Honestly, wow. my first thought was like, okay, can we turn it off now? You know? <laughs> Done now, thanks guys. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, uh, because, yeah, I mean, sometimes... <laughs> I wonder why anybody thinks I have any any uh, any skills in marketing because I don't sometimes don't think about the implications of things like I never thought of having a stretch goal because sure. well, I never had uh, you know that was my stretch goal it was fifty thousand and uh, so once you know you make that first goal you you need to have new goals and you unfortunately we we didn't have anything that was like quantifiable in a way that says like, well, if we raise 25,000 more dollars, we'll buy 20 more MacBooks or something like that, because that's not the camp, you know, the equipment is part of it, but that's not the whole thing. And we couldn't say, Oh, we'll, we'll open a camp in San Francisco next year. If we get to hundred thousand, because who knows <laughs> if we could open a camp in San Francisco, there's so many factors that go into whether a camp can launch at all. That anyway, so we just said we if we make a hundred thousand, we'll be able to 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 open. We'll be able to expand App Camp um, next summer and to another location, and we which we did. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, that was that moment when the hundred and six thousand. Well, it was. You know, it hit 100,000. I was um, sitting with my father and my stepmother because my sister-in-law was just about to have a baby. So I was at the hospital <laughs> waiting for my nephew to be born. And uh, so it was a pretty wild uh, experience. My, uh, I, my father and my stepmother, I'm trying to explain to them what crowdfunding is. <laughs> 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 they... Uh, they knew I was trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars though. So they could understand the numbers and I would, um, uh, I, you know, we were at dinner and I would be looking at this, uh, (laughs) because it was, it actually went over a hundred thousand while we were sitting at dinner. Oh, fantastic. Um, So (laughs) look what I did. uh, (laughs) I did this. I know. I had, uh, yeah, I sort of blew up the number on my phone and, as big as I could in my uh, somewhere, I have a picture my father took of me holding that. But I I was um, incredibly humbled, uh, really, that 
a lot of because it the the going from like say sixty thousand to a hundred thousand that was didn't happen overnight like the first fifty thousand and it was I know now and I've heard this because I've heard this from other people and I've had my own experience which is yes that middle of the crowdfunding campaign is going to be you know a little torturous because it's not going to things aren't going to go as fast but then the end has it's a momentum of its own um and there was uh yeah there was a lot of people on twitter getting uh exhorting people to get us over the hundred thousand mark and we had um a couple of really big supporters towards the end that were really great and and we made it and i you know i just felt uh, really grateful to be in um, involved in a, a with a you know community of people that could make something like that happen. It was great, um, and I was very tired. <laughs> I, I bet. So uh, I, w- I want to talk a little bit about the experience of App Camp for Girls and kind of what happens um, on a day-to-day basis, what happened in the first one, that kind of thing. But I just want to take a moment to thank our third and final sponsor for this week's episode of Inquisitive, and that is our friends over at Igloo, an internet you'll actually like. Igloo is built with easy-to-use, integrated apps like shared calendars, Twitter-like microblogs, file sharing, task management, and so much more. With Igloo, you can work better together with your co-workers. You're easily able to co-author documents, share status updates about what the cake's like in the conference room, and manage your projects all in one place. When someone makes changes to an item in Igloo, notifications are sent in the way you choose, directly to you, and a complete version is maintained, keeping everyone in sync. This makes sure that all this version history is going to keep you safe in case things accidentally get deleted by Bobbin accounts, and it also keeps you connected and in touch with things as well. Whether you're on the road, maybe you're out with clients, or maybe you're just taking a day by the pool instead. Just this past week, Gartner released their famed report, Magic Quadrant for Social Software in the Workplace, which sounds awesome, and Igloo appears on this report for the sixth consecutive year alongside companies like Microsoft, IBM, Google, and SAP. In a report, in this report, it values the size of the vendor, in Gartner terms, viability, and Igloo is praised for their responsiveness and customer experience. This is an excerpt from that report. Feedback from Igloo's reference customers was consistently positive. They praised the product's quick deployment, configuration, and customization, flexibility with self-service options for non-technical users, control over branding and information organization and ease of use. They also praised the responsiveness of Igloo as an organization. Literally, what more do you need than that? If your company has legacy internet built on SharePoint or old portal technology, you should be giving Igloo a try. It's free to use of up to 10 people, and you can sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash inquisitive. Thank you so much to Igloo for their support of this show and all of RelayFM. So, Jean, let's talk about the experience of App Camp for Girls and the camp and kind of what happens. So, with the first one, how long were you planning the event in total? Like, how long did it take to plan out tasks and lesson plans and find a place to put the actual camp on? Um, I would say it took us about six months. Um, not working full-time, obviously, but it was taking a lot of time, which is 
why I asked for a sabbatical at Smile. Um, we, you could do it faster than that, I think, if you were working on it full-time. But you have to book the location. That's really the first order of business because if you don't have a place to have it, then you don't have a date or anything else. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did um, find the place. We worked on the curriculum. We, uh, Nat and I worked on ideas for what we could do with the girls that would be fun um, and help them learn about how we make apps and, you know, have some hands-on experience. But we knew that we weren't going to do, um, it was not a coding class. We weren't going to teach them Objective-C, um, except insofar as we would show them some parts of the code that they needed to work on or customize in order to make their apps work. Um, so we, yeah, we, that was, um, that's definitely a big part of it is just figuring out what you can teach. Um, and, uh, yeah, we did everything. I did everything that wasn't the programming class. <laughs> so, uh, there was, it was a quite a tiring, uh, in, uh, event when we finally, we rolled out app camp the first, well, the, we called it a beta camp, um, in end of June of 2013. Uh, we did do, we I tried to do a test run. What I was thinking of as a beta camp during spring break, um, in March, but the kids that I had signed up, um, a couple of them dropped out. I didn't really have a whole class and I, uh, I really didn't have all the material ready anyway. Um, and so we decided to just do a one day. I thought it would be kind of like a focus group with a couple of the girls who were still really interested in, in helping us and working with us. So we did that. Nat, Kelly, and I um, spent a day teaching um, these girls about app development, and they just loved it. It was awesome. <laughs> they were so happy. They At the end of the day, Nat helped them make a – an app that did almost nothing, you know, like just a, a text field that you could fill something in and press a button and it would add it to a list. But it all came from an idea that they had, you know, for a dictionary. And so they, they just thought it was so great that they had an idea and now it was on this iPhone, you know, and now it was, all in electric blue and purple and red type. And (laughs) we let them, you know, style it however they want to. And that's always interesting. Um, But yeah, so that was the, that, that's when we knew, I was afraid that girls might not be that interested unless we were going to teach them how to develop an app that like they've already used to using, you know, it's like full fledged app, but my original theory held true, which is that the moment that they see their work on a device, that's when everything is exciting. Um, they've done it. And they, they literally, I have seen girls jump up and down when they, they, they launch their app and then they start playing with it, even if the app only does that one little thing. So, so that, was, that was good to know. Um, but... Yeah, the time commitment, you know, depends on how much time you 
have. Yeah. <laughs> to how long it will take you to do. Um, we're actually working on um, putting all of our material together so that we can. Um, that I mean, that's been the point all along is that we have something uh, like App Camp Kit that you can download if you're going to run an app camp in your town and we'll give you all the information the timelines the shopping lists um and the the you know xcode projects that you would need to run app camp in another location so is that the next next stage like kind of franchising type type deal yeah i mean i i don't think it will be franchising in the sense that we wouldn't we would still be it would be more like um, branch offices, you know, <laughs> of, uh, or like a TEDx is, you know, what TEDx is to TED. Um, that some we have guidelines and um, we have a structure that in to which local communities can plug in, and together we we produce another app camp in another location. Um, we did that this summer. Our first city. Um, outside of Portland with Seattle and that was turned out awesome in fact I was just amazed at how well it went um, in terms of how much the girls got out of it and the there we had uh, Liz Marley and Christina Sontag who are Omni group um, team members they had actually come and volunteered in Portland the summer last summer so they had seen a bit how camp worked and they agreed to run a camp this summer in Seattle and that was really cool to just to see how other people would do it and what would happen but the good stuff still happened no matter what which is girls got excited they liked making the apps and they really liked showing other people what they'd done have you found it easy to fill the places um, the campers. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> the campers, the camp, there's such a uh, demand for this kind of program. Uh, as far as I can see, um, that's not going to let up anytime soon. We, we've started out small, uh, because mainly because it's very hard to find the volunteers. Uh, we're an all female staff. So we, are looking for women, women iOS developers, uh, and those are few and far between, as I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how we got into this in the mm-hmm. first place. But if we had, you know, unlimited funds and more staff, I, I think we could run so many camps and, or make the camps even bigger because. We had twice as many girls as we had spots for in Portland this summer. Wow. Um, we, so that, yeah, I thought that was going to be hard. That was, that was definitely one of the things on my list that sort of fell off, which was I need to go around to the schools and talk to teachers and hang up signs and, you know, let people know about this. Instead, all I needed to do was basically mention it on Facebook and, uh, because of course Facebook is really where more my Portland friends are as opposed to Twitter and then we had the applications it was was incredible 
How has uh, AppCamp changed now, like the, the actual course itself? What, what kind of things did you learn after doing the first few of them? Um, we learned that girls like working in Xcode, <laughs> so, which we, you know, we, we work in Xcode. We, um, when they're, they're building the apps, we're using Xcode just like a real app developer would. They uh, said, you know, and their feedback was, wish we had more time to work in Xcode. So we keep giving them more time. And uh, this year we um, introduced a calculator app that they would build on the first day, which was um, interesting. And that sounds terrifying too. to me. <laughs> <laughs> we, we said... They want more Xcode. We're going to give them more Xcode, and they're going to like it. So uh, it's a very simple calculator. It's not like a calculator like you're used to with all the buttons. It's two fields, and it's buttons for add, subtract, multiply, divide. Um, and then the, the results appear in another location on the screen. It's, it doesn't look like your you know, Texas Instruments-type calculator at all. Um, in fact, the colors are very nice. Like the girls can uh, do, you know, some styling on the calculator, which is kind of fun. So they, what, what was cool was they finished a calculator app and they, they built them um, onto the iPod touches that we give them for the week. And they took them home. And so they went home that night and showed their families I made this app today, <laughs> and they had. I mean, they didn't. Obviously, they didn't code at all, but they they did write the code for the for the functions. You know, add, subtract, multiply, divide. Um, we showed them how to do that. So, so that moving moving the uh, the nitty gritty of app development up more to the front of the program and giving it more emphasis and time. Um, that's that's a main way that the program has changed because uh, when we did it the first time, we thought we'd focus on design first and get them sort of interested in um, stuff on paper and um, uh, user interface stuff. And instead, now we still do that, but we don't do it until the second day. And they've already built an app. So it actually makes more sense to us now the way we're doing it now. So do you think that app camp is always going to be for younger kids? Have you ever thought about teens or adults? I'm sure you have. What, what's your kind of feeling on this? Do you uh, think that it will always be for, for, for kids? Well, the, kid, the girls we have this right now are 13 and 14, so they're, right. not, they're not little kids. Um, I, I think that this program could work for any, anybody. I mean... Uh, as long as a certain minimum age, but I'm not sure what that minimum is. It's not 13. Um, you know, when I was at Oil Conference, when we were there, yep. and I was helping girls build apps at Oil Conference, some of those girls were like nine. Yeah, that that's why right? I thought it was f for younger kids, because that's I, I was in the room and got to see it and could yeah. see like a nine-year-old building an app, which was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. <laughs> Watching her right. launch the application on the iPod Touch for the first time was yeah. mind-blowing, and I was so happy that I was in the room to see it. Yeah, yeah. So those 
So I think that 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 whole experience taught me that, well, you know, we could probably go younger. Um, I know we can go older. Um, I know there's adults who would like to do this. In fact, if you look at what's happened with AppCamp is that the volunteers, it's kind of AppCamp for them too, because we don't have enough women iOS developers to staff the whole camp, which was my original big idea um, that, you know, girls would work in groups of four with a developer who could totally just like work on Xcode with them and make, help them make something custom. And um, instead we've had to rely on women who are really good at software. Like they could be, um, you know, programmers in another language like Ruby, for example, or web developers or, you know, women who work in tech support and, but the, the women who are willing to kind of learn along with the campers, how to make the iPhone app and they, um, get a lot out of it. Uh, we have right now I have at least three women, well, really five who have worked in app camp now who are studying or want to study iOS development and want to move into that field. And one of them who is a full-time iOS developer this year, who was not last year. Um, so that's, um, you know, the, I, th- I think adults that we could do app camp for women or even, you know, app camp for guys, but uh, it's just a question of resources and um, how I, I have learned, this has definitely taught me how important it is to focus on, you know, one thing at a time. <laughs> Can people still donate to AppCamp for Girls, and how can they do that? Um, yes, we have. We do accept donations on our PayPal. Um, there's a PayPal button on our site at appcampforgirls.com, um, and we we do have some. Uh, we do continually get donations, and it's it's awesome. Like I said, to get that kind of support from the community, um, and that does help us. Um, you know, we speeding up a few plans uh, for next year that yeah. we we couldn't have done without the support we've been getting since the Indiegogo. Now you're working on something new for yourself too. Yes. What is, what is that? Um, I have uh, launched a weekly email um, called Well Tempered, and I've. Um, just last week sent out the first issue. I have been wanting to do something online that is not app camp specific because I realized that I I started to feel like, well, now I feel like I'm in the camp business and (laughs) I consider myself still a software business person. (laughs) And there's a lot of things that happen as you know, out there on the internets Mm -hmm. and on the Twitter's that um, I didn't really have a um, outlet to comment on myself, you know, other than Twitter. And uh, so I was going to start another blog. And then I got talking to Dave Verver about this program that he has and just launched now called Curate It. And I really like what Dave's done with iOS Developer Weekly. Um, and I thought maybe that's the right amount of online activity for me. <laughs> um, 
because and it's actually turning out you know to be quite fun uh i i like the idea of having a small specific audience um so it's uh that it's for the email but at the same time the emails get archived onto on the online so it's not like a website exactly but if somebody wants to see what I wrote about something, they can, they don't have to sign up for the email. Um, and, um, I just like the idea of having this, this specific audience. I only mentioned it. I only told people on Twitter that I was doing this. I didn't mention it on my Facebook feed or anything else because I realized like I'm really writing for this audience. People are interested in app um, marketing and podcasts and the things, the kinds of things that I used to do full time with Smile, um, I would like to continue to write about them and be involved. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on these days, especially with app marketing. And I, um, so I started um, this uh, newsletter, I guess you would call it. And Well Tempered was my was my personal brand name back when I was a, a web designer. I was the well-tempered web and that I wanted to bring that name back um, because I like it. Jean, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks, Mike. It was really great uh, t- talking to you. I really appreciate you having me on. Where can people uh, stay in touch with everything that you're up to, everything that's going on with AppCamp? Um, the AppCamp website is appcampforgirls.com, and that's the number four uh, for, um, although, of course, F- F-O-R will forward to that spot. Um, appcampforgirls.com. We're on um, Twitter as well and on the um, uh, on Facebook. Um, I personally, if you go to welltempered.net, that's welltempered with no hyphen.net, you'll find a place where you can subscribe to Well-Tempered, the email, and you can read the previous issues are there. And I'm Mac Genie on Twitter, M-A-C-G-E-N-I-E, and I'm on Twitter a lot. <laughs> so. Aren't we all? You can find the links to all of that stuff and a bunch of things that we've spoken about today at relay.fm slash inquisitive slash four number four thank you so much to our sponsors today lynda.com the fantastic guys over at studio neat and igloo too i am mike hurley i am at imike i-m-y-k-e and i'll be back next week thanks so much for listening bye-bye